Today, as we embark on Black History Month, um, I really felt led to share some things as relate to that for the opening of this series, of this volume two. Um, and so today, um, we're gonna talk along the subject of thoughts on the equality of man. Thoughts on the equality of man, and then we will get to, um, if you can put that up here, the healing of black and white America. Thoughts on the equality of man, um, and we will get to, um, if not today, next week, the healing of black and white America. How that looks. Is that even possible? What's our part in that? Um, somebody told me that racism will one day just not be here. That's not true. Um, so refine. Um, the definition of refined means purified, separated from what is incorrect and improper. You could put this down in your notes. Separated from that which is incorrect or improper. It means to bring to a greater state of development or understanding, to refine to bring to a greater state of development or understanding. If you're watching online, I want you to share this. Even if you're here, share it. Tag people who you think need to hear it with you. Sharing is caring. One of the ways of refining is teaching. It is educating. It is informing. It is, look at this word, discipling. One of, one of the ways of refining is to teach, to educate, to inform. I really believe all of us, we just don't know enough. That's why you can never stop learning. You can never stop reading. You can never stop digging because you don't know enough. The minute you think you've covered something, here comes something else that you didn't even know about. That's why it's, it's so important not to conclude matters because it's, sometimes we do it without hearing the whole matter. You've not brought all the pieces together to come to a conclusion. So one of the ways of refining is teaching, educating, informing, discipling. Um, a disciple is a learner, a taught one, one who is instructed, one who is corrected. I have been corrected in some of my theology as I have walked through my Christian life. There are things that I have learned wrong and there are things that I have taught from this pulpit that were wrong. We're gonna walk back through those things. And only a person who wants to keep you in the dark and keep manipulating you won't tell you that, hey, that was wrong, let's fix it. In our church, especially the black church, we've been bamboozled long enough and most of us know way more than we even understand. And we hold fast to knowledge that is incorrect. As a matter of fact, we will argue with you over something that is not even correct. So it is one who is corrected, one who follows the teachings of another. And if you read the scripture, some of y'all been in Hosea too long, you need to go over to um, the Pauline Gospels, because Paul is teaching us how to live and walk out this Christian life. 
Something that's refined has gone through a process. We're going to go through process these next couple of weeks to remove that which is tainted. What we've heard that was tainted, what we've shared that was tainted. And I want you to do this. I want you to sit and hear the entire matter. I don't want you to run out and say, well, pastor's on some other stuff now. What is he talking about? Oh, my God, I knew it. No, no, no. Just hear the whole matter. And don't be so loud and wrong. Because sometimes we jump out. That ain't, that ain't what, that ain't, and, and, and he said, okay, so you tell me then. And you can't give me scripture or verse. And don't bring me what your apostle said. Don't bring me what your bishop told you. Don't bring me what your prayer warrior taught you back in the day. If you can't match that with the word of God, then I don't want to hear it. Because we've all been in that place. You, you ever been sitting somewhere and had a conversation and realized that what you thought was right wasn't right? You, 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 were, you were sincere, but you were sincerely wrong. I've been there too, and, and, and I'm there sometimes now. And, 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 and it's not that, every, I'm not telling you everything we were taught was wrong. I'm saying there are some things that were incomplete. You got to get the whole matter. Tell your neighbor, say, I want the whole matter. Tainted. Process of removing that which was tainted, um, that which was unhealthy for us even. A lot of us see ourselves wrong or we see God wrong based on what we've been taught about God in church. We're going to talk about it. Most people don't want to hear your gospel because it is laced with violence and how God's going to kill them and do away with them and and sin is wrath because you didn't pay your tithe and he's going to kill your babies because you didn't answer the call to preach and, and we've been told all of these things and it's not correct. Tainted as it relates to teaching what we received as truth that wasn't. Doctrine, what we believe, even if it's flawed. What we understand what we know to be true and what we know works. You gotta look at all this stuff. Because when what we've been taught or what we believe is tainted, it results in low living. It makes good living seem impossible. So most of us in our culture go through our entire life needing breakthrough, needing victory, trying to come out of something, trying to get over something, trying to get ahead. And we never get to live out this good life. We shout about it. We sing about it. We write books about it. But we never really get to experience it. And after a while, you get kind of tired. Like, wait a minute. Like, I thought this life, and I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. But doggone it with Jesus, we ought to be able to walk through some things and go through some things and live victorious even in the midst of chaos. Because peace is not the absence of chaos. It is me resting in it because I know who I am. I know who God is. I understand the promises of God and I can produce them at will regardless of what's going on around me. If everybody's on welfare, I won't be. If everybody's getting laid off, I'll be working. If everybody's marriage is in trouble, mine is going to be all right. And not all right in the sense of it's perfect, but whatever we're dealing with, we're going to use the scripture. We're going to use the principles and we're going to walk through this. We're going to get through it, not always in it. 
and we have built great edifices and raised a lot of money because you're always going through. So I need a book about this and a book about that. I need a, a seminar about this. I need to get in prayer line about this. And I never come out. And people are rich off of your brokenness. How much money have you given in church to see no results? How many lines have you got in to sow a thousand and sow two thousand? Because somebody told you if you sow this, you're going to come out and you're still in. Now you mad. I would be mad too. Enough is enough. I believe in giving. I am where I am today because of my giving. We were flat broke behind bankruptcy twice, but I didn't go through any shyster church stuff to get out of where I, to where I am. We gave our way out. We obeyed God in the tithe and the offering. You ain't got to promise me nothing. Just give me the scripture. Tell me how it work and I'm going to work it. I promise we no house, no car, no this, no that. Just give me the scripture. Just tell me what you need. It's vision and provision. Hey, we got a church in Mexico. We helped them pay their rent. I want y'all to give. It's simple as that. I ain't got to have no lying about it and lie about it. And if you get to Mexico, God going to teach you Spanish. And if you get to Mexico, God going to give you, hey, I do all that. There's a need. The people bring the provision for the vision. People are mad. People are mad at us as pastors because they forgot that we were human. Because for so long we told them and taught them that we were not. So we had moments in humanity, moments, they're like, now wait a minute, Rev. I thought you said. So we all got to play a part in this. And we're going to talk about it all. Turn neighbor said, well, talk about it then. This is not a series of teachings to negate or cancel what we know but to progress in truth. It's a progression of truth. I told you, it's not that we've been in error all the time. It's just been incomplete. And here's the part that I don't understand. If the teaching is incomplete and you have the whole teaching, why are you not sharing it with us? Because I'm only going to give you so much that I can control you by. If I tell you how to fish, you ain't gonna, you're going to stop coming to me to get your fish. If I tell you how to get your own breakthrough in your family, you're going to stop coming to me and sowing to me and paying for this and giving this and crying to me because I, I, we got to teach the body of Christ how to live this life as God intended without the drama. Understanding to have this John 10 10 life in abundance to the full till it overflows. Understanding to walk in the Ephesians 3.20 life. You know what Ephesians 3.20 says? Huh? Now unto him. To do exceedingly abundantly. I'm just I'm just tired of quoting all this stuff, Delvin, and I, and I we don't see it. I'm just I'm just tired of it. I'm I'm tired of quoting all this and singing all this and then trying to get a ride home after church. I'm tired of every month I'm coming up short with the rent. 
and I got to pray again this month and believe God again this month and call my prayer warrior again this month and war. I shouldn't have to war to live. You got to war every month. A war for the rent and war for the coffee and war for the tuition and war to get some food and we in, we in war, we binding and loosing every month. No, no, no. That's not John 10.10. 10. That's not Ephesians 3.20. There's a time for everything. The Bible says in, the, in Ecclesiastes, there's a time and season for everything. But some of y'all been warring to take off your war clothes. Got my war clothes on in the army of the Lord. Got my war clothes on. You need to put on the garment of praise. Come on here. For the spirit. Turn in your war clothes. Turn in your sackcloth and ashes and put on the garment of praise. Put on some wisdom and some understanding. Put on some I'm going to do better. Jesus himself in Luke 2 grew in wisdom. Insight, intelligence, intelligence, information, knowledge, good judgment, intelligence, intelligence. I remember teaching that we got to have an intelligent approach to people and realize that some people can't do that. Because they lack intelligence. I'm, I'm just telling you what I'm telling you. I'm not knocking anybody. I'm telling you what I'm telling you. And it's not a bad thing. Some people just don't know. So you're telling me to do something that I don't know how to do. But now when you know how to do, and we've made these things plain, one of the greatest disappointments of a teacher is to see the students not returning what they taught. When I've told you one plus one equals two, and you keep coming back in here talking about it's three and crying for breakthrough for four. No, honey, it's two. I just need a new church. No, 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 no. You need a new church because it's going to be one plus one over there as well. He grew in wisdom. He grew in intelligence. So let's start with this whole piece here. The thoughts on the equality of man. Thomas Jefferson said this. And if you read the whole thing, which is a lot to read, and some people made some adjustments after that. But here, here is the part we always hear. Um, you can put it on the screen so they can see it. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Say self-evident. Self-evident. That all men are created equal. Mm. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What does that mean? The right to inhale and exhale, to do so freely as you desire, to create labor and enjoy the prosperity from that labor. All men are created equal. It is self-evident. Now, if it's self-evident, it needs no explanation. It should be clear. That all men are created equal. But we know that the application of this was not for Negroes or women. See, the idea of America 
just given from this statement alone was exceptional. But the application of it has been and still is evil. So as we celebrate going into this Black History Month, don't be fooled. Understand this, that there are many that, have, that never got to experience one day of this freedom, <laughs> this life, this liberty, this pursuit of happiness. They were robbed of this, of their God-given rights by, by Holy Ghost-filled men. At least that's what history wants us to believe. These were Holy Ghost-filled, spirit-filled men that went to their church meeting, went to their prayer meeting, hallelujah, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, and then left the church meeting and went and took this black father and chained him up and went into this dark, sweaty barn where his daughters were and raped them at will. These are spirit-filled men. That's what they want us to believe. Are y'all still here? Can we handle this opening? Religious? Yeah. Spirit-filled? I don't know. There was a form of godliness. But there was no connection to the source of power. Okay, let's just say, well, pastor, you can't judge them. They probably were spirit-filled. Okay, great. They were spirit-filled. Well, where were their pastors? Where was somebody to say, hey, that's not okay? And I don't have to, I don't even have time to go through the, the weight of slavery and what happened to our people and what's still happening to our people today. Now, I need you to hear me. Don't leave me. Don't you run off. I hear somebody already. This is why, why they talking about that. This is old anyway. This is the past. Listen, my dear heart, you are part of the problem. This is not the past. This is very present. And we got to stop calling means in the basement on Thursday night and talk about it on the main platform so the world can start moving toward healing. This is the past. You do know it was just 50 years ago when they voted and decided that we were even the people. Yes. 50 years ago, they voted, but the application is still evil. It's hard to believe that some of the things that they did and still doing come from people that we said were spirit-filled because even spirit-filled men like myself make mistakes. But there's no way you can do what was done then and separate that from being human and not value the lives of people. And then the saddest part about it, Pastor Chuan, is we put Jesus on it. And Jesus don't want no part of that because he was always looking out for the poor and the least and the widows and the lonely. And if you really had Jesus, he would have told you, leave them people alone. Leave them girls alone. Leave them black people alone. Stop doing this. But I don't believe that there was even an ear. We want people to believe that this was done in the name of Jesus. 
the blue-eyed, blonde-haired Jesus. He sanctioned this, and they would sit and teach us to obey your master. Misinterpret the scripture. Teach it all out of context to keep us with this mentality that we now know is a slave mentality that still exists today among our people. And we're going to talk about that as well. But we say this, pastor, you got to understand, they were a product of the time. They were men of their time. They get a pass. The nation gave them a pass then and still gives them a pass now. And it, it, it acts as if these slave traders, these men stealers, these rapists, these murderers, like what they did was just a part of the time. And so the government and the church supported slavery and they covered the men stealers. And, 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 and this is and has always been an inward demonic obligation to minimize slavery. It won't just let white people, not all white people, but most of them, they just won't say it was wrong. Y'all quiet up in here. We got to stop minimizing it. But I, we can't, can't, you can't judge them that was then, Pastor. We operate in grace now. I'm not telling you to go back and hold grudges back then, but what I'm telling you is we got to look at this for what it is because it still exists today. It's worse today because it's in the fabrics of everything. It's subtle. It's in our schools. It's in our, in, in our churches. It's everywhere. I don't have time to walk around paranoid like that. I don't have time to do that. But I can see it. I can sense it. I can discern it. I got to speak up often now. I got I to defend certain things more now because it's here. And it is usually us that say, why y'all talking about this? I'm going to tell you why we're talking about it. It should be talked about. It should be a passion of yours as well. We're not going on no fight the power movement and we're going to turn our church into lifeline black Christian power church center of God. That's not what we're doing. But this is the real deal here. This is what's happening in our world. And we got to talk about it. Y'all quiet up in here. Pastor, you can't judge these men. They're men of the time. But when Obama... came in office and legalized same-sex marriage. This is what we said. He ruined America. Really? (laughs) Which America are we talking about? Because... (laughs) You do know all the laws ain't going to be lined up with your Bible, right? But it doesn't mean that because he did that, he ruined America. Um, Let me let you in on something. America was already in ruin. He messed up our Christian nation. When has there ever been a Christian nation? See, we got to stop saying some of this stuff that don't make no sense. It's not even asinine. It's ascertain. Like you saying stuff that don't make no sense. The way this thing was founded, 
Then when Obama left office, a lot of Christians, a lot of Christians, a lot of Christians said, we got our nation back. Let's, let's talk about it. Can y'all handle this on a Sunday morning? But see, I don't understand. I don't understand. You, you, you saw what Clinton did in there, and that was just despicable before the Lord. And, but if you didn't say that about Brother Trump, then you can't. See, what we, what we want you to do is it's called a spirit of division to get you to pick a side. You left wing or right wing, not realizing they're both on the same bird. And it's division. It's a spirit of division. And the reason you can't pick the right side, which is the word of God and the principle of God, because you don't know them. And you ain't got to pick, am I Christian or black? You black. Stop putting down who you are to fit something else. You can be black and saved. You can be black and speak in tongues. Y'all keep making everything about race. No, 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 no. No, no, I just want my kid to go to a nice school where he's not called the monkey there. So I'm not making it about race. I'm making it about can I afford the tuition? I want to go to the school, so forth and so on. And they said, well, Pastor, if you send them to these schools, you got to watch them. No, I'm not going to pay tuition and watch them. Are y'all still here? We live in Babylon. Thank God for the righteous, but this is Babylon, y'all. Now, now let's, let's look at something. Let's look at something. Y'all, how much time I got? I got 12 minutes. Okay. I'm going to use all 45 of those. Okay. <laughs> Understanding of this chart I'm about to show you is crucial for America as it relates to racism. Let's look at this. Now, I'll break some of this down on Wednesday night, so stay tuned, and we'll come back on um, Sunday, and, and, and I'll finish this next Sunday, and I'll go to the next part of the series, because I, 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 I'm not, well, I think, I, I think that's what I'm going to do. You said don't rush it? Okay. All right. So, society, or, or, or let's look at this. You have indiv- the individual side and the societal side, and On the individual side, you have, the first one is personal accountability. Write it down, write a chart, do what you got to do. Some of y'all, see, some of y'all don't have paper and pen like the Fosters. You tell the educators. They ready. They got their notebook. The Dominic got 85 pens in his pocket. He is ready. And note cards, he's ready. I love it. You don't catch him off guard. You can never catch him. My phone ain't working. He's ready. The ability to give an account. And we must better ourselves apart from what they have done. Just because you come from a low-income family, single-parent family, live in the hood, doesn't mean that you're going to be a criminal, sell drugs, or you want to be a dirty rapper. That's the picture the media tries to paint. You know it's not true. 
Because, because when things happen and you commit a crime, we're going to hold you personally accountable. We're going to put the responsibility of this action on the person that did it. We can't come back and say, well, you know, they're black. They don't have the moral capacity to make those kind of decisions. They don't know no better. They come from a broken family. They're poor. The daddy left the house. So it is what it is. No, if that was the case, you wouldn't have more brown and black in prison than... So there is personal accountability on the individual side. But you can't exclude personal accountability from the next one, which is personal mindset. Because how you think shapes the behavior. Mindset shapes the behavior. Mindset shapes the behavior. Before all action, there's thoughts. And the next one is this. It is social responsibility, which means before their actions, there's thoughts, and society has to have some responsibility on how we think. They've played a part in how we think. That's why it's important when you come in church, church should be for you to renew your mind. Because I grew up thinking I was inferior to white people. Nobody sat and gave me an inferior class. I caught it. It was in my daily dealings with people. Are you listening to me? And society has a responsibility in that. If you're not careful, that's why you got check stuff. Because people are safe. They're like, wait a minute, what, what did you just say? Ain't no cover with a joke. Well, I, I was just saying, or I didn't mean no, no, honey, let me educate you. I went to my son's school. I says, this, I'm not coming here to act like the monkey you wanted me to come here and act like. So first they come in, um, can I help you? Not right here, you can't. We're going to go in the office and sit down like you do everybody else. Let's go sit in this office here so I can take my coat off and talk with you. Now let's deal with this incident right here. But there's a bigger issue at this school that must be addressed. This student body as well as faculty must be addressed regarding this matter and the ones that have been happening at this school. And I want to be a part of that. She don't, I'm getting ahead of myself. She said, slow down, pastor. Social responsibility. Society has a responsibility. What's in the media's drinking water? What's shaping these minds? What's poisoning the minds of black children and black people about their value? And when did it start? How long has it been happening? Because most black people really do feel like they're inferior. They take interviews in that mindset. They pick houses in that mindset. They raise their children in that mindset. And it's a forever fight to break it when it's still coming at you every single day. And society has responsibility of, of a social responsibility and an environment responsibility. Put the next one up there. 
because it affects and shapes the mindset and it leads to decision. If white people have been raised in certain parts of our country to think that black people are reckless and they're all out to get me and, and, and using the N-word, then these are the people that grow up in our society in certain environments and walk in black churches and shoot them up. So environment has, the society has to play a part in the responsibility of the environment that we're creating. But it's the same thing on the other side. I'm raised in the hood. I'm angry. I'm mad. My dad is not there. My mama left. My sister's on crack. We don't have no money. The heat is off. I can't go to school today. I'm angry. So the first person that stepped to me, you getting all of my anger. We can't just keep saying, bring them to church, we can pray for them. Bring them to church, we can pray for them. Bring them to church, we can pray for them. Bring them to church, they need to come to church. Y'all need to go to church. You need to go to church. You need to go to church. Well, you go to church and you ain't changed yet either. So why you keep trying to get them to come here? That's a part of the answer, but it's not the answer. So I know some churches you can go to and get nothing. So I came to church, now what? We got to see, see, society says that some people say this is the problem. Black people are the problem. Their mindset, they won't take personal responsibility. They lazy. They nasty. They won't work. They criminals. You see them all in jail now. And this is the issue. And some people say, no, this is the issue. If they would just do this and give us some more stuff and take responsibility of how they, they talking to black people and all that, this is the problem. But I'm going to tell you what, all of it is the problem. You got to address all of it. I said you got to address all of it. And I learned this from a white man. Friend of mine, we sat on top and says, this is, this is part of what we're dealing with here. See, a lot of this will not change until white people speak up. It's not one or the other. It's not right or left. We must address both. And I believe... Are y'all here? I believe healing, and this is just me. I hear some of y'all, he ain't gave us nan scripture. (laughs) He didn't even take no text. How many scriptures you got now that you ain't read or used? Talking about some scripture. What I'm telling you is laced with scripture. It's because I ain't telling you the verse in the chapter. Don't miss what God is saying, y'all. Don't miss, don't miss. And I, I, I told you, I told you, it's thoughts on the equality of man. That's what it is. It's a thought. It's my thoughts that I've set me with the Lord. I believe. But I don't believe what you're saying. You got a right to do that. I'm telling you what I believe I should be sharing today. I, 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 I have, yes, I, I, and yes, I, can, I can go so deep with this because I have been studying this, Chris. I can go so deep, but I don't think we're ready because they'll think we're changing the lanes of our church. And it'll be called Black Power Christian Center. <laughs> and that's not what I'm trying to do. But I'm tired of talking about these things in certain settings and black folk tell me, just leave that alone. Black folk tell, it's black folk, just, just leave that alone, brother. 
That's the past. Now, your mind is what I'm talking about. It needs to be renewed to what I'm sharing here. This is not the past. Unfortunately, it's very present. I deal with racism more today than I've ever done in my entire life. I mean, just blatant stuff. Some is subtle, but some is blatant. And, and, and I have to choose, uh, Carlton, what I address, because sometimes you, I'll be out here like Fred Hampton. Like, I, I, don't, I can't do that, but it's like, dude, like, no, that's not okay. I got to talk to my boys about it more now because it's prevalent. It's, it's on the team. It's everywhere. And don't come back to me, well, I was just playing. No, no. I believe that if we look at both of these, and I'm going to dissect these some more through our community talks with some other people sitting with me, but this is what we got to address. And get away from what media has taught us. I shouldn't have to have an issue at the car dealership and have to decide what I'm going to wear to deal with the issue at the car dealership. Because if I walk in with some gym shoes and jeans or joggers, I won't get the same respect as if I walked in like this even maybe or a suit jacket shouldn't be. I remember I was at a dealership here, and I was disrespected to the highest degree by the people that were in the certain room. And I went home, and I said, nope, I'm going to go back up there. But I'm not going back up there to deal with the carports and all those people. So I had to put a, I put a full suit on, Carl. Changed my car. I didn't even take the car that was the issue. I took another car. And just because I, I wanted to show something. And just pulling up on the lot, I got a whole different approach. Same dealership, 30 minutes later. I get out the car. They realize, oh, this is the same guy. Nope, I don't want to talk with you. I want to talk to the guy in that office way back in that corner. The one that owned this joint, I want to talk to him. So here he comes. Oh, he's polite. He's shucking and jiving and bowing and grinning and skinning. And I said, I didn't come in for none of that. I was just here 30 minutes ago, and this is what just happened to me. Oh. And I went on to further explain, because some of you all are losing the battle because of how you approach things. They want you to come in there and tear up the dealership and throw the stuff around and kick over the coffee maker. That's what they want you to do. So you can say, I told y'all they were some animals. So I sat and talked with him, and I made some demands. And he said, not sure about that, Mr. Royal. I said, no, that's Pastor Royal. And I have a lot of pastor friends that come to this dealership. Oh, oh, you're a pastor? 
Oh, you know Bill Winston. No, we don't hear about that. We don't hear about none of that. The game changed the second time now. Now it's bring the fatty cow, bring the shoes. Come on, take care of Pastor Roy, cause. But my point is, I shouldn't have to do all of that. I should be able to pull up in my joggers, in my flip-flops if I feel like it, and a t-shirt and get the same service. So for those who don't think it takes all of this, I don't live in that world, Pastor. No, you just denying the world you live in because it's here. I believe, ooh, I believe healing begins when white America, especially white Christian America, does the following. Because a lot of my heartache came the last few years from white Christian friends of mine who showed all of their colors and told me pretty much, yeah, you didn't know? And they love God. And they, they love us on their terms. As long as we stay in our place, they love us. And I've sat at breakfast tables with them with tears in my eyes and this, you got to be kidding me. And I thought, here I am thinking we were friends. You ever, you ever get, here I am thinking we friends, we cool, and I was just your nigga buddy. And when the rubber hit the road, you made sure I knew that. And I said, wow, well, this ain't going to happen no more. So let's give a couple chances to kind of talk through this, but that didn't work. Let me express my heart to you because, you know, because I, you know, I, you know, I lead a, a church, a black church. I know we multi-generational, um, multi-culture, you know, we got, we got a, you know, Caucasian guitar player, and we got Betty Tapia, so we multicultural. <laughs> but we no, but we're predominantly a black congregation. Oh, he said Chris is white. That's what he said. So. <laughs> no, no. So we we we. I, I I have the privilege, listen, of leading a predominantly black community black families that we represent here, black husbands and wives and children, black single mothers, black single fathers, black seasoned saints, black widows. I have the pleasure of leading that London and I. And, and we can't keep saying, we don't need no black church. Ain't no black church. Ain't no color. We don't, no, there is color. <laughs> Friend told me, he, he, says, he says, Pastor Reggie, I don't see color. I said, well, I need you to. Because I'm black. I need you to accept all of that. Don't give me the church thing. We don't see no color. No. And don't get me started with the whole color of Jesus. How do you sell us that for so many years? And it is black people saying, 
don't matter what color he is. It does when you've lied to me for a thousand years. Who is this guy hanging up here at the school? No, no, that's important. That's important. I know she's not looking at this. This is too much. That's important. It's important. If they, somebody wrote your history, and we fold through the books and look at your pictures from back when you were living, and there was a bald head picture of a white guy said, this is Pastor Twan. Somebody gonna say, that ain't Pastor Twan. Pastor Twan was black. And it's all in the, te- it's in media. I-, I love good times. Ain't nothing good about it, but I love good times. And there's an episode about black Jesus. And Florida was bent on, no, this is my Jesus. The white guy with the blue eyes, this is my Jesus. And Michael said, no, mama, look, he said right here in the scripture that Jesus with black hair, hair, wool, and eyes of fire. And she wasn't trying to hear that. I can feel some of y'all. Okay, let me push on back here. I'm out here now, John. <laughs> it's important, people of God. Why, why do I have to chill out on it? But you get to keep telling me something that's wrong. Every school to put my kids in, there is this guy hanging up here. And I got to say, you know that's not him, right? Like, I don't know who that is, but it's not him. <laughs> Does it change the principles of the word? Does it change the spiritual disciplines? Absolutely not. But it is a part of history. And I don't think we even understand this Bible. I've been checking this thing out from the people who wrote it. The pe- a lot of stuff we don't know. Why we dancing and skipping and fetching. It would do us some good to do some reading. They went even in the book of Acts and searched the scripture to see what they was being told was right. Do it, we can do it today, go back and search it out. Say what I'm telling you is right. But see, we, these kinds of things we don't want to talk about in church, but I can preach for 45 minutes on how God's about to bring us out we can get this organ tuned up and we can shout and dance and leave here just as broke as we was when we came in here. And I just got tired of doing that. I have a responsibility. I believe healing begins when white America does these things. Number one. Number two. Number three, number four, and number five. And I'm out of time, so I give them to you next week. (laughs) 